you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, bud? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Just kind of handling quarantine. Had a good little holiday weekend. Ready to get back at it. What, what, is the, what does the holiday weekend look like for Bucky Brooks? What, what, do we, what do we got going on? Well, this Memorial Day weekend, I did my radio show on Saturday. Um, went for a super long bike ride on Sunday, like an hour and a half bike ride Ooh. all over the valley. Yeah, like silly stuff. Um, and then yesterday was a day, like Monday, Memorial Day was actually a day where I, I started catching up. I uh, looked at some college tape, looked at some quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, quarterbacks to look at in the 2021 20, class. Uh, looked at some second-year players. And then just try to map out whatever it is I'm going to write about this week. So, you know, usual drill. Same old, same old. Yeah, we got a lot of sun, man. It was nice. I, I'll tell you what, I enjoyed watching the, the golf match. Did you get a chance to see that? Hey, man, it was unbelievable. It was great. It was great. And, you know, I know we're going to – I mean, we should just go ahead and talk about it. Like, here, here's what I think – I learned from watching the match, right? 
Like, I felt like there were a lot of people that were sitting on Twitter waiting to see Tom Brady falter. And I think what we learned about Tom Brady, the same thing that makes him great shows up in all aspects. Because he was struggling that front nine. It was bad. People were taking shots at him. People calling in, talking to him, taking shots. And somewhere in there, he settled in, and you saw the competitor come back. Like, when he knocked in that, that wedge shot, um, yeah. you kind of saw him, got, got, he got his confidence, you got his swagger, and you saw kind of resiliency. And I think, look, man, I don't have any illusions of him being a pro golfer, but I think the mindset, I think it was a peak inside of the mindset of an ultimate competitor. Not only him, but even the way Peyton Manning approached the way that he did it. Like, very studious, very meticulous in his approach. And I felt like, even though they were playing a different sport, we got to look at the person that was under the helmet on game day. You know, I was thinking of uh, a couple words when I was watching him because I'm anxious to see what you think on this because I, I, I look at a lot of these successful people really in all walks of life. And if you look at some failures that they have to deal with, we always talk about perseverance, right, and overcoming things. And uh, actually kind of a theme we're going to use on the TV show a little bit on Thursday. We're going to talk, you know, the whole show about comebacks and how – um, you know, this country's kind of comeback. We look at players, teams, all these different facets of a comeback. But when you look at failures and successful people, there's two words that I don't think get talked about. Number one is embarrassment, and number two is anger. And I thought when you when you could see Tom Brady, he kind of went from like kind of chuckling, you know, how not, yeah, not hitting it real well, to you saw him get embarrassed. And then I think even with Barkley, you saw a little little a little tinge of anger. Uh, yes. that he had and that's when that's how those guys get like their focus right back in line and dialed in and you saw I mean again he's not you say he's not gonna be a professional golfer but I think we saw the kind of the best of Tom Brady for a stretch there because of those two things embarrassment and anger yeah so let's go back because we talked a lot about the last dance doc um, and how Michael Jordan would create these grudges and hold them to it like when Barkley kind of took that dig Tom Brady gave it right back to him. And it might have been just enough to poke the bear to get him back on track. And those that of us that have been close enough to the game to be around Tom Brady, either on the field and here, you know that he is a guy that doesn't mind engaging in conversation with the opposition. And so I felt like that kind of woke him up. And once he got going, you saw the confidence kind of come back. And from then on, he was a pretty steady, eddy player. And so... I just love the fact of seeing that. And I also think you talk about competitors. Competitors are not afraid to put themselves out there because to play on a national stage, they talked about the viewership or whatever. Hey, DJ, I'm a guy that gets nervous. Um, Just going to the tee box when it's just the the first tee is always the one where I still get the butterflies because you're being watched by everybody. And regardless of whether they know that you're not a player or whatever, there's still some nerves and anxiety that comes to addressing the ball, doing your waggle, and going through your routine. And the only thing you hope, man, I hope I don't hit a duster. I hope I don't hit a duster. I hope I don't hit a duster. I'm hoping I make contact. (laughs) And so to see them settle in and to kind of get it going, uh, to me, that was, uh, it was great, man. It was really commendable to see them do it. Yeah, I'm notorious. I play, I play, Maybe two times a year, but I'm notorious for the worm burner off T1. You know, just, just that thing is just rolling down the fairway. Yeah, um, but it was uh, man, it was it was fun to watch that. And then I thought I thought Peyton, you know, just especially like the short game and all that, he was just dialed in. Everything was 
Yeah, not too aggressive, but very confident, very poised, and just the ball was pretty true how he hit it. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I would be interested interested to see if they flip the pairings because Peyton Manning is very much like Tiger Woods in terms of like the meticulous nature. He isn't a guy that necessarily paints outside the numbers, but putting Peyton Manning with someone who's not like him, like Phil, I wonder how that would have gone when they have the hole-by-hole, shot-by-shot interactions and the conversations when it comes to the advice as opposed to the way that it was where you had Tom Brady going with Phil or whatever. I, I just would love to see like the different matchups to see how people respond to having different partners who may approach it a little differently than they do. I thought the other thing that was interesting was, um, and we're going to get to some football here in a second. It's not going to be a whole draft podcast here. We're going to talk about some of these top quarterbacks in the upcoming draft as, as well as some guys we look to have breakout years. But um, on the golf front, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Phil was given a lot of instruction, but it was like Tiger and and Peyton had their own lane. They, they were talking about numbers with speeds of putts, like the 75 on this and 90 on that. Like it was, uh, you could tell they played bef- together before, but the communication was, it was less is more. Like he would just, Peyton would just get over, address the ball. Like, what am I aiming at? You're the, the left tower and uh, this, you know, and then boom, two things of instruction. Phil was like diarrhea of the mouth, like nine, all this different things. And the grain of the, I'd never, I don't know anything about golf, but I'd never heard so much about the grain of the grass, how you're going with or against the grain of the grass. Um, but he was so wordy. And I almost thought, man, I, I almost think less is more. What, I know with me, I, I suck at golf, and there's nothing more annoying to me than to go golfing with a good golfer who has to give me 95 tips on every shot. Like, dude, tell me where I'm aiming. Tell me how hard I should hit it. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah, it's funny because uh, if you go back and you, you think about the way Peyton Manning played, um, a lot of what they did at Indianapolis was really, really simple. It was um, simplicity with execution. And so um, – like in talking to Reggie Wayne about it, Reggie would just talk about, look, man, we do the same things over and over and over again. The repetition was what enabled us to be successful. Uh, for me, something tells me that Tiger and Peyton somehow got together prior to and that they had oh, kind yeah. of worked out. They had worked out some things because they were very, very comfortable playing with one another. Um, and you're right. Tiger was very efficient with his word choice. And by the way, did he hit a bad shot? Did Tiger Woods hit a bad shot pretty much the whole day? I mean... Good night. I mean, he was really, really on his game. I mean, he was he was on his game. Like, but like, I I give Peyton and Tom credit to go an, an entire round with the limited, like wayward shots that they had that were yeah. way out of bounds. I give them credit because I, I I can only hope for the day when I can shoot sub ninety and really oh, enjoy the round. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I, I couldn't break a hundred. But I, I'll tell you the, <laughs> uh, the my last golf story. I've told you some of my golf stories, but. Went down and played Pinehurst, right? Down in your neck of the woods down there in uh, nice, Raleigh, right? Nice, yeah. course. Right Beautiful. outside of it, yeah. But um, so we get to 18, and I shank my shank my drive. So you got to come – you're coming down the home stretch, and there's the 18th green, and there's a restaurant that just kind of wraps around it, and people are sitting outside <laughs> of the restaurant. So I shank, I shank my drive, and I think I hit my second shot wayward as well. So now I'm kind of like off in the woods, but I could still get there. I mean, I could get to the green from there, but it wasn't a good lie. And I just walked over and picked up my ball and put it in my pocket. And the, and the, two, the guys I was playing with, like, 
are you seriously not going to finish out 18? I'm like, dude, I've had a nice, relaxing, enjoyable day. Like hitting some lady who's eating a tuna sandwich in the head is, <laughs> is going to leave me in a bad mood for the rest of the day. So I'm done. I, I'm out. Um, but I, I, Mark did did remind me, though. I did birdie 15. I, I birdied 15. That was the only birdie that I don't even know if I had a par the rest wow. of the day. Mark, but I had one birdie. birdie. Was it, it a was par? A, was, was 15 a par five or a par four? Uh, gosh, I can't even remember. Mark would know. if I can't remember if it was a three or a four. All I know, it was par three. I oh, was off the green. I was off the green, and I putted it from a freaking mile off the green, and it just found it. It snaked its way into the hole. But that was uh, that was the only good shot I hit the whole day. Boy, look at you. Next time, we can, we can get you in that uh, in that match. Like, oh, we, my we can gosh. Get you, can you imagine? Can get you Man, I, oh, I, I, just, I, I no thanks. Yeah, that's a lot. I give them credit because I I don't know, man. The pressure of just being watched <laughs> by everybody. Would oh, be Tom a- never took. Did Tom Brady? I don't think ever took the driver out. He was just hitting. It. He was hitting so. But it. I I subscribe. I'm raising my hand because I subscribe to the Tom Brady uh, school of playing golf. I never, ever. I don't even have a driver in my bag. Really? Um, no. I'm I'm irons off the tee. I. Uh, I can hit it pretty far like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's something about the big head of the driver that just yeah. makes me want to absolutely whack a mole. And yeah. because of it, I, I just mess it up. I just can't do it. <laughs> I mess it up. We gotta play golf together. We gotta do a move the sticks golf outing. <laughs> Maybe we I can mean, do Mark, that. Yeah, Mark, Mark's Mark's the big boss here. He runs the whole show. He's I mean he's got like nine golf memberships. Every every time I call him, he's on the golf course. So I mean he's got to be able to set that up for us. Yeah, we can do that. That would be fun. How about uh, that? We could, you know what? We could also bring a couple of the ATN guys and play miniature golf too. That would be fun. Oh, uh, we play golf. putt, but we let them. Yeah. We can let them go up under the windmills. Yeah, they can get right up cool. under the windmills. Well, the good thing is, if a ball gets stuck, they just walk right underneath the windmill, <laughs> grab it, and pick it out. So that's good. That's nice. Um, all right, Buck. Let's uh, let's get on track here with some football stuff. Talking about uh, some second year players that we see taking a big leap this year. Maybe I'm not saying they had a bad first year, but just think we're going to see a monumental jump here in year number two. Who do you got? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm on board. It's all over Twitter because I wrote about Kyler Murray last week and how I think he can be the MVP. Um, we've seen the last two MVPs were guys that in their second season, they just exploded. Uh, you've talked about the three P formula, play caller, playmaker protection. When I look at what is around Kyler Murray, um, you can check off all the boxes. Cliff Kingsbury is more comfortable in the NFL game. I thought he did a great job making adjustments about the middle of the season, going from more 10 personnel to more of your traditional sets. Um, he was able to blend in the air raid with some traditional things, and that offense clicked. Kyler Murray had 3,500 pass yards, uh, 500 rushing yards. He and Cam Newton are the only guys to have been able to hit that number in NFL history as rookies. And then when you think about what they added around him, Kenyon Drake came around the middle of the season, played well for them. Uh, terrific hybrid playmaker, catch it out the backfield, can run it. DeAndre Hopkins gives them a true number one to go with Larry Fitzgerald. And the thing that I noticed last year, Kyler Murray didn't really throw the ball down the field. Only 11% of his passes were beyond 20 air yards, but he had the seven most yards on those throws and so now with DeAndre Hopkins being a master of the 50-50 balls I think those one-on-one situations on the outside he should really thrive I think he is poised to have a breakout year all right so you that's a power statement you had talking about Kyler Murray being your favorite for MVP let let me give you my Kyler Murray power statement so to speak if you went through the last three drafts 
And Orlovsky, our buddy Dan Orlovsky was was texting me about this the other day, saying, "Who would you take?" So if you go through the last three drafts, so think about that. that's that's the uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. um, all those dudes, right? Then it's last year's group, uh, which is Kyler Murray, um, Dwayne Haskins, who else we got? Minshew, that that whole crew. Yeah. And then you've got this year, you know, obviously Joe Burrow and Tua were the kind of the two headliners in this year's class. So he said, over the last three classes, if you could take one guy, keep in mind Lamar's coming off MVP uh, award. If you could take, who would be your first pick? And I said, I think I'd take Kyler Murray. I think he would be my first pick. Just because I can get everything athletically from him, and then I get a dynamic thrower. I mean, and he's got a chance to be, literally has a chance to be, you know, top two or three throwers in the league. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he's electric uh, when he wants to use his legs and take off and go. Um, and he's in a system that's very comfortable for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm with you on, on this one, Buck. I think some people, you got some blowback on that. I saw it on social media, some people saying, yeah, you know what division he plays in? I'm like, hey, greatness is greatness. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you've, if you've got greatness, it's going to come out. And I've, I'm in on this kid, man. I'm with you. I buy a Kyler Murray. You know, like I, I, I really regret like in the draft, and I think um, still coming from the old school of thought when it comes to scouting, look, I knew Tyler, Kyler Murray's greatness from watching him in high school and seeing the flashes, obviously, at Oklahoma, but there was still something, the old school me was like, look, man, he's sub six foot, you normally don't go big on those guys or whatever. But what Kyler Murray is, you talked about electric, he's efficient and explosive. And it's hard to find guys that are like that. Um, it's kind of like the Barry Bonds uh, of hitting. Barry Bonds wouldn't get many pitches to hit, but when he did, he knocked them out. Kyler Murray is kind of like that. He doesn't run all the time, but when he does, therefore explosive plays. And then his overall efficiency as a passer puts him in a unique and special category, which is why you talk about him being one of the top two passers in the league at some point. You absolutely can see that because – what he is is a guy who is really a deadly accurate passer who also has the other stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. All right, my, my first guy, you're going kind of top, top, top of the ticket here. I'm going to go down the board a little bit and just give you a name that if, especially if you, if you do the fantasy football thing, um, Jay Sternberger, the tight end out of Texas A&M who's with the Green Bay Packers, they move on from Jimmy Graham. He missed eight games last year. He was hurt. So he's going to get a chance to be the guy. And talking to people around the league, Buck, they love this dude. They love him. He was very athletic. You saw it at A&M. Um, I think he's got tremendous upside. He can also help you out in the run game a little bit. But I know, and we've we've been part of this group that's taken you know uh, some shots at the Green Bay Packers for not putting more around Aaron Rodgers in this draft class. You know, they just really given a lot of weaponry. This kid coming back playing a full full season and getting a chance to be featured, he's going to have a huge year. Jay Sternberger, man, remember that name. You know, DJ, part of the reason why they may not have put more playmakers around him is because maybe the Green Bay Packers are doing like some of these teams that we've talked about. Maybe they're lining up to be more of a 12 personnel team, two tight ends, two wide receivers. And if you're going to do more of that, you really don't need to have all of these other wide receivers. Devontae Adams is certainly their guy, but the more Matt LaFleur wants to kind of put his stamp on this offense, if you think about the way the... Rams and Kyle Shanahan has operated stretch bootleg play action Sternberger is a guy that he can split the seam he can run all those routes he can climb over the top on those deep overs he could very well be a big time breakout player and you would have to go all the way back to the last time they've really had a legitimate tight end you're gonna go Chimura come on 
I mean, no, I'm talking about Jermichael, Jermichael Finley. Oh, yeah. Kind of like go. the last big-time young playmaker that he had with him at tight Keith end. Jackson? I mean, those guys. I, I, I play with those guys. Like, he, he needs somebody better than that. But, no, those guys can certainly help him out. Oh, Nabil. Nabil just dropped a Bubba Franks on the text uh, line good, here. Good, good, good guys. Bubba yeah. Franks. Everybody, he's the forgotten Miami tight end, man. Everyone forgot about Bubba Franks. He's kind of one uh, of the guys, that, the originator, one of those guys. Yeah. All right, who you got next? I'm going to go with Noah Fant for the Denver Broncos. And the reason why Noah can really have a breakout year, last year he averaged 14 yards a catch. He had 40 receptions, three touchdowns. But it's what's around him that could open up the field. With Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, teams are going to have to make a decision. How are we going to defend the Broncos? And with the running game, uh, Phillip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, uh, Pat Shermer coming over, a little more commitment to the running game. I think Drew Locke is going to find comfort in work in the middle of the field. That's why I think Noah Fant's numbers could go to 60, 65 receptions, 7 to 10 touchdowns, as he becomes a big part of the offense as teams begin to play more cover two and those things to slow down some of the speed that they have on the outside. No, that, that's track team, man. I feel like we've used that that phrase a bunch, right? We talked about it with Baltimore last year, building a track team. I think Denver's doing the same thing. Man, this this is why I'm so excited about this season because look at how many teams have gotten so much faster and so much more athletic. And then you got guys like Noah Fant who can take that next step as a second year player. Um, we've we've said it. The AFC West is going to be fun, man. I think you're going to see some improved football in that division to try and chase. Um, the world champs there in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, speaking of speed, my next guy, I'm going to go Marquise Brown uh, with the Ravens. And you know, remember last year going through the draft process, he wasn't healthy, so you didn't get a chance to train, didn't get a chance to run a 40, which he would have ran a ridiculous 40. Uh, we still saw him get on the field last year, though, and make some big-time impact plays for the Baltimore Ravens. I think that goes to another level this year. I think he gets this full offseason. I know it's a different offseason, uh, but he's got a chance to at least be healthy and lift and run and train on his own. I think he's ready to hit the ground running. He's going to know the offense inside and out. They're going to know how to use him even more. And now you bring in J.K. Dobbins to go along with what they already have with Ingram. They're going to run the ball as well as they ever have, Buck, which is going to pull safeties down, which means you're going to see a lot of Hollywood down the field. I, I think Hollywood Brown's going to have a big-time breakout year. I mean, he should have breakout year because I just don't know how you could possibly double-team him or roll a corner to his side and cloud it with a safety over top just because the running game is so dynamic. Uh, you have to commit extra bodies to dealing with Lamar Jackson and all of the runners that they have. And the way that the Ravens are playing, they are looking for home run plays in the passing game. Hollywood Brown wasn't fully healthy. Coming off the foot injury and those things, I don't even think we scratched the surface at what he could be as a playmaker in this offense. Looking at the video of Lamar Jackson and Hollywood working on routes in the park, I just believe that combination is going to be super explosive. Hollywood Brown, 10-plus touchdowns. I think it's easy to forecast that as this offense continues to grow. All right, who you got next? Man, the team that beat up the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans. Jeffrey Simmons played nine games last year. Um, I think if Jeffrey Simmons doesn't get hurt in the run-up to the draft, we're talking about a top-five player in the draft, maybe the best defensive player in the draft, the way that he is a disruptive force, not only against the run, but against the pass. Well, now that he is back and committed, uh, he understands the speed of the pro game. I just think a full season of Simmons on the inside is going to take this Tennessee Titans defense up a notch. They could go from good to great as he begins to impose his will on opponents. I mean, what a value pick, right? I mean, I know we said it at the time. Like, if this he's healthy, he's top five pick all day. Um, but I, I thought 
man, not only – even if you had to redshirt him, that's a good pick because of what he can be potentially. But, man, they got good work out of him last year. And that was kind of like a little bonus, what they were able to get out of him last year. Now you're going to get him healthy through the whole offseason. He's got a chance to be a perennial Pro Bowl player. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. I feel like I'm piggybacking you and following you on a lot of these because um, I had a different player down, but I ended up switching it because I almost – this is like a forgotten guy. Quinnen Williams. Remember yeah. what we were saying about Quinnen Williams coming into that draft? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, we had Bosa over him, but it was like he was in the conversation. Yeah, he was think, right there. Yeah, he had two and a, two and a half sacks last year did not really have a big time impact at all for the Jets. Now I don't know, you know, how great he is as a fit in Greg Williams' uh, defense, um, but I, I just think that Greg Williams is, is has been a good defensive coordinator in this league for a very long time. He's going to get more comfortable with him and how to use him, and I think Quinn and Williams will be able to make that adjustment. I just can't believe. You know, we're not going to see a better version of this kid. As dominant as he was in the SEC, the best division in, in college football, they couldn't block him. It didn't matter who they were playing against. Quinn and Williams was unblockable. And I, I just have to believe that we're going to see that player emerge here and we're going to see more from him. Because I'll be honest with you, Buck, that was disappointing last year. I thought we'd see more out of him. Yeah, when I talk to guys on the inside, like just maybe some immaturity, just kind of trying to figure it out. And it can be a big stage going from Alabama to New York and all the things that come along with being a New York Jet. But I, I do believe he is too good, too talented not to be the player that we thought that he would be. You're right about Greg Williams' system. Uh, is he an ideal fit? I don't know. But I do believe the player is certainly good enough to be a dominant player. And at some point, that talent is going to bubble up. And I think hopefully this year we will kind of see him play at his best. Yeah. Anybody else you want to add in here, Buck? I think that's a pretty good list we've got. Man, that's a great list. Um, I, you know, the thing that we've always said, most players have their biggest improvement from the first year to the second year, even without the offseason and the OTAs and those things. I think because they finally understand the speed of the game, the expectation and the responsibilities that come along with being a marquee player, they settle in. I think this is the year that we see a lot of guys kind of reach their potential in their second season in the league. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of guys in that group we didn't even mention that are going to have a chance to make a big-time impact this year. Um, let's hit some of these college kids here. Um, we both have spent some time studying the top three quarterbacks, the top three names, I guess you should say. And I've got, I'll tease it, I've got the uh, first look series uh, that's going to be coming out at NFL.com where uh, what I do is I'll, I'll watch three games on a player uh, and it's kind of just my first exposure to him, my first impression, and I'll do a little write-up on him. And I think the uh, first one is coming uh, either later this week or early next week. It's going to be Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback. Uh, but I spent time watching Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, Justin Fields from Ohio State, and then Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And I'd seen, you know, you see these guys when you're studying other players and you kind of see the flashes. But, you know, sit down for the first time and, and, and dig in and watch three tapes. Uh, we'll obviously get a chance to watch a lot more as we go through the process and through next year. But it's, it's a healthy exercise, I think, during this time of the year, Buck, to get that first exposure to these players. Well, when we were working for a team, DJ, this is what we would do. Like the month of June is what we call doing, quote, unquote, junior tape. What it is is um, the lists come out. We, we get a feel for who are the players in our area. And what you do is you go back and look at last year's film on those guys. And part of the reason why you're doing that is just first exposure. It's also to help you set your schedule in terms of who do I really need to see multiple times. I need to see him early in training camp in August. I need to see him again in the middle of the year. And I have enough time. I need to go back one more time at the end of the year and see them. And so normally you want to reserve those trips for your A-listers, your top players. And so 
your first look series is really a microcosm of that. It is a let me. These are the names that we're hearing. Let me get a, a, a glance at them to kind of get a feel for what they are. And I'm not married to what I say about them in the summertime, but this is kind of like the foundation, the jump off point for what my evaluation will be as we kind of do a 365 day look at them. Yeah, it's just that first glimpse. Again, I just used that, that phrase, the first look. It's our first look at these players. And we always talk about, you know, maybe this is the right city, right? We always use the line, you know, get them in the right neighborhood. Eventually, we'll get them in the right house. During the summer, I feel like, let's just get them in the right city, man. Let's just get them in the right city. Kind of, are you a dude? Or are you not a dude? Then we'll go to the fall. We'll try and get you in the right, uh, you know, the right neighborhood. And then when we get to draft day, we need to have you in the right home. Um, but again, it's just that kind of first big picture look at these guys. So why don't you fire away here on the on the first one? Trevor Lawrence, uh, somebody you've got a chance, and we both got a chance to see him up there at the at the opening in high school. Uh, so you've seen this kid for a long time. The hype was was incredible, um, but he was good enough to put a uh, an undefeated starter on the bench right that year at Clemson. Yeah, uh, yeah he, so, man, look, he, he's, he he came he came with hype, and so far he's lived up to it. But what have you seen from him when you really studied him? Look, man, he came he came into uh, Clemson billed as the cast me out, and he certainly has lived up to it. Six six, two hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, he's a rare combination of a guy who has outstanding arm talent and explosive athleticism for a guy that is his stature. You really don't see guys that are 6'6", that can move like he moves. Um, I think the things that stand out to me, uh, his movement skills, the fact that he's able to run like quarterback read game, quarterback design runs, uh, they did it this year more than last year, and he really thrived at that. He is what I call a big play hunter. He wants the big play. He wants to push the ball down the field. He throws more 50-50 balls to his playmakers than anybody that I've seen in recent years, and that includes Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow made a living off of the 50-50 ball. The reason why he does it at Clemson, Clemson had a basketball team on the outside. All of their receivers are 6'2", 6'3", or taller. He throws it up, lets him go gets it, and trusts them. I think um, the thing that I absolutely love about his game, he has the back shoulder fade down. Aaron Rodgers has made a living off of it in Green Bay. Trevor Lawrence has that club in his bag. The one thing that I worry about Trevor Lawrence, I think he's more of a scorer than a shooter. Um, He is super talented. He's a playmaker. I don't know how refined he is in terms of, hey, I'm going to play connect the dots football from the pocket, meaning I'm going to take the check down. I'm going to work it horizontally from east to west. I'm going to mix in some pushes down the field. To me, he's a guy that is, he's looking for the big ball whenever it's there and he's going to take it. And I just wonder, is he refined enough to play a discipline underneath game when teams take that away? The last two games in the playoffs, LSU and Ohio State, collectively, he was right around 51% completion rate. And some of that is due to them playing snug coverage on the outside. Lawrence doesn't necessarily work the underneath areas like he could or should when they take away the deep ball and make him play with patience and discipline. And this, uh, this is that's fantastic, Buck. I, I think it's great for listeners to know that we talk about kind of what you want to watch here. And we were talking about this before we went on about another of these guys. But which games did you watch so that you can go over which games you watched? And then I'll tell you which games I watched. And we can kind of see the, if there's any differences based off just the games that you watch. So I watched them versus UNC. I watched UVA, the ACC championship game. And then I watched LSU and Ohio State. I also threw in uh, Georgia Tech, too. Okay. 
You got a nice study there, and I saw five game eval there over the summer. I see there was you nothing, working. There was nothing on TV, so I mean, uh, I just, I just kind of, I just kind of whizzed through it. All right, I watched Texas A and M uh, early game, South Carolina and Ohio State. We all saw. I mean, we've seen the LSU tape so many times doing all these guys for the draft that, uh, and I know he did not play as well in that game, so I wanted, to, I was going to put that one aside and watch these other three games, see what I came up with. Um, this is this is what I really liked about Trevor Lawrence. Everything is real crisp. He's got real crisp feet. Um, he's real urgent in his movement. He's real sudden. He's explosive. He's an explosive mover with, with his quickness inside the pocket. Um, he can really drive the football. Um, he's got a quick delivery. He can tighten up his delivery when he's throwing things underneath. You can see him change it and tighten it up a little bit. It gets a little bit long at times, but he has the ability to tighten it up. Uh, he can anticipate and work in the middle of the field. He's not. There's no fear with the way he plays. You talked about attacking. He loves to attack down the field. Um, you talk about him as a runner. Um, he's got big. He builds up that speed with that long stride. He's a tough kid. He'll drop his shoulder um, and 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 show you some of that toughness, which may, maybe not the best idea going forward. Um, I don't see him get to the number three in the progression very often. It's usually one or two balls out or take off and go. Um, there's times where his feet can trail his eyes a little bit where he's working through progression with his eyes, but his feet aren't following him there. Uh, so that's something you can correct and you can work on. Um, he can escape and create plays, which I love. Um, the, the major knock that I had on him is I, I just didn't think he was as accurate as I would have hoped, you know, just in terms of pinpoint accuracy, ball placement. Some of them are completions because he's got great guys, but I, I didn't, I didn't see an elite level accuracy. And also on some of the deep balls, and this is a product of what you discussed. When you have big receivers like that, better to be underthrown than overthrown, right? You give your guys a yeah. chance. But there's several uh, – in, the, in these games that I watch, there's several balls where, man, he's got guys – just put it out there. Let him go run underneath that. Um, so some underthrown balls there. So th that was kind of my, my takeaway. I Look, he's, he's a fantastic prospect, but, you know, it wasn't – it wasn't the accuracy level that maybe I would have expected. And, again, this is just the three games that I watched. No, nah, DJ, like, so I think we see him very, very similarly. Um, I, don't, I think our descriptions are very close. I feel like the routes that he is absolutely uh, a dime thrower, uh, bang eights, and slants. His ability to run the RPO game or the, the fake play action and hit the, uh, the skinny post uh, on time, he can throw all those in-breaking routes. For someone with as strong of an arm, you don't really see him throw many outbreaking routes outside the numbers. You'll see a sale or maybe a bench route, but he doesn't really throw comebacks and those things or whatever. Uh, it's funny, in my notes I have footwork and inconsistent rhythm. Like I, I, I did feel like like his feet weren't always in, in rhythm where you can just deal on time. And now I'm saying that knowing that the talent is tremendous. Like, the talent is off the charts. But I am saying, because we've heard comparisons to Andrew Luck and Best Prospect and those things, I would say that Andrew Luck was more refined and more polished yes. at this stage. Like, Andrew Luck was, was dealing the cards like a casino dealer. Like, he understood how to kind of get from one to two to three in rhythm on time. Mm -hmm. Trevor doesn't necessarily play on time and on schedule all the time, but his arm talent is so great that he's able to make up for it. I will say this, his escapability, he is unique in his ability to escape to the left mm -hmm. and make accurate throws. Mm -hmm. Most right-hand quarterbacks, when they he's go squirted. left... He does a good job of pulling his shoulders. Yeah, and when they yeah. go left, the bad stuff happens. For Trevor, 
the big plays happen when he escapes to his left. Mm-hmm. All right, let, let's get to Justin Fields here. What, what games did you watch and what did you see, Buck? So Justin Fields was um, Michigan game, uh, Clemson playoff game, Michigan State, and it was one other, maybe Rutgers. I think Rutgers okay. is what I had written out. Here's what, here's what I would say. He is a time and a rhythm thrower to me. He plays a little more of the intermediate game. A-plus playmaker, excellent arm. Is, he's a time and rhythm passer with pop. Uh, he throws on time. He's accurate. He throws with a variety of pace on his throws. And he really does a good job of working the 10 to 20-yard box. Um, digs, comebacks, all those things, he throws it. I think he is a, a really good runner. He's tough and explosive. He is better to me when they play up-tempo and they play mm-hmm. with pace. He just kind of – it just kind of hits his wheelhouse. My areas of concern with him – Blitz reaction versus changing coverage. When teams brought pressure and they could change the coverage, meaning they would bring a variety of pressure up front, but the coverage may go from man to zone to hot coverage. Needs experience with that because I thought I saw some problems. And then I think the bigger thing, and this is just one of those things that just kind of hangs in a distance. Um, the stuff that you hear about him from Georgia, not necessarily maybe being like, the most dialed-in worker, I just think it needs investigation. That's all. I don't have anything to really go by on tape, but it's just one of the things that kind of came out of the program at Georgia that they wanted him to take the job from Fromm, but he didn't seize it, and he didn't seize it because maybe he allowed Fromm to outwork him. All right, so this is I want to I want to go through this a little bit because this is fascinating because the games you mentioned. I watched Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. So you watched Michigan and Michigan State, right? So we watched a lot of the same games. And this is what happens. This is kind of a peek behind the curtain when you go into a draft meeting. So you could have two players who could see a player very similarly, and you could see a player, uh, two scouts see a guy very differently. So in this case, I want I want to show you some of my notes here, okay, Buck? Think about what you just said, right? Yeah. I don't know if you can see this at all. But um, – See that? Uh, let me see if we can see it up there. I don't know if you can I see can. it here. All right, okay. can you see it now? Yeah. So do you see things I circled? Holds holds ball, right? Yeah. Holds yep. ball sack. Uh, see the rhythm? See how I've got rhythm yep. written down a couple different places? First read rhythm, right? You talked yes. about being a rhythm thrower. Yeah. Um, can't does struggles to ID the blitz. You see that? Yes. See I, holds ball sack. You see that down there? Yeah. Like I, I was listening to you kind of go through and 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 talk about some of your notes and because we watch the same games and because, you know, this is kind of what you do, right? We, we kind of see some of the same things, have some of the same concerns. But when he's in rhythm, he's accurate. Um, he can, you know, he, he, he throws with anticipation even. Like you'll see yes. on, on a seven-step rhythm comebacks, you'll see him back foot in the ground, balls out on time, perfect placement. Um, but when you have to see him, uh, you know, he gets corner cats or different looks that kind of come out of the blue. He just struggled to, to get that, to feel that, and to, and to, get, and to get through that. Um, I think he's outstanding as a runner. He's very elusive as a runner. I posted one play on, on, uh, on Twitter that shows his ability to make people miss in space. Um, he did a good job down in the red zone. Really good ball handling in the RPO game. Yeah. Uh, very comfortable in that. When he has to reset, like he can move and climb around. The difference I would say I would give Lawrence the edge is that when Lawrence gets moved around, he can then square up and still deliver the ball inside the pocket with, on, on, in, uh, mm-hmm. in a nice posture, in a nice throwing posture. 
when he gets moved off of his spot, he, he wants to just kind of drift and get out of there. You don't see him then put your feet back in the ground and then be able to, to, to throw the football. So that's an area he could he can improve on. Um, but I thought, like Lawrence, this this uh, this same thing here with Justin Fields. Moving to the left, really good job squaring his shoulders and being accurate uh, when he's on the move out there. I don't know if you noticed that I put down everything's out of a three-quarter arm slot. So he's, he's a little bit lower with his yeah, release. Yeah, but you know, he has a baseball background. Yeah. Um, he has a baseball. I know he played all the way up into – College, he didn't get drafted. I need to see if he... He was supposed it, to be a big-time, big-time prospect. Yeah, because he, he was supposed now. to be a prospect or whatever, but, like, he has some of that, so maybe he gets some of that from being able to throw from different platforms and the like. Um, man, it's funny how we saw those things. But, yeah, because, I, I man, Blick's reaction with changing coverage, it just, yep. it just stunned him. And some yep. of that is, in Trevor Lawrence, we, we're seeing a guy who was a two-year starter, and Justin Fields, it's a one-year starter. And yep. so... The experience factor, just the amount of reps, being in games, and those things. And the funny thing is, DJ, I end up putting the same grade on both of the guys. But, I mean, I think both guys have some work to do when we talk about comparing them to some of the greats that have come out in recent years in the last decade. I just think they have things that they certainly can work on. I don't think they're finished products by any means heading into their final seasons or what could be their final seasons. If I was going to use the one the one main difference is really simple, right? A simple word, vision. I think I I have Lawrence over Fields because I think Lawrence has better vision. I, and that comes some of its IDing pressure, some of that's also just missing some opportunities. Justin Fields misses when he has some opportunities just just overall field vision. I don't think he's as good as Lawrence in terms of just how he sees the field. It's funny because I had these guys described as shooter and scorer. I think Justin Fields is more natural in the pocket on rhythm. So I think he's more of a shooter. I think Trevor Lawrence is a, a, a better scorer, meaning if the game breaks down, like he can improvise and find ways and he just finds a way to, 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 to make these big plays or whatever. It's a fascinating thing. And I think the thing that's really fascinating about the two of them, they have always been linked together, one and two, yeah. whatever order. But I, I think they grew up within 200 miles of each other. So yeah. how uncommon yeah, is Georgia, it huh? that, that both guys are from Georgia and they have always been – So now it reminds me a lot of the Julio Jones, A.J. Green thing. They never can be separated just because they've always been kind of joined at the hip. That's interesting. All right, let's get to the third one here. Uh, this is Trey Lance. Um, we've talked about it a little bit before, but North Dakota State. Um, what games did you watch and what did you see, Buck? Uh, I watched Montana State, Nickel State, and then James, the championship game, James Madison. Okay. Uh, first thing that I put in my notes, rock-solid quarterback prospect. Like, <laughs> rock-solid, not, not, not a lot to worry about with him. Uh, very good arm talent, athleticism, dual threat, uh, has a game that works in any system. Shotgun, under center, vertical, horizontal, bootlegs, play action, whatever it is. He can do it. Um, love him in the run game. Design runs, scrambles. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, in the passing game, he can catch, rock, and throw. You see him with the bubbles and the swing passes. High completion percentage. Takes the layups when the layups are there. Makes great decisions. And in fact, in my notes, I said he is a perfect Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Um, in fact, I wrote down, I won't even pull up my notebook. I wrote down Jimmy Garoppolo. Because to me, okay. when I'm looking at him, 
He reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo when I watched Jimmy Garoppolo at Eastern Illinois. Rhythm, patience, timing, better runner. But in looking at how Jimmy Garoppolo plays in San Francisco's offense, you put Trey Lance in that offense, Trey Lance is a superstar. All right, so let's let's do a little bit of this again here. Show you a little bit of the things that I circled here, but can you see? Yeah, under gun, under center, under gun. Yeah, all oh, of that. Hold on, let me see. See, see do you see the uh, uh, takes the layups? Is the exact yes. same phrase that you exact same <laughs> phrase that you used. Isn't that funny? Yeah, like I mean, he does. It is easy to watch him. Like you almost yeah. get scared watching him because I'm like, man, this dude, man, he man, he does a, a lot of good things. The only thing that I knocked him on a little bit. Um, he has some moments where he was a little streaky with the accuracy and ball placement. Like he, he he would skip some balls on the outside a little bit, but I mean overall, like I man, he's an he's an easy. All three of these guys are pretty easy evaluations, but he is definitely someone that man I, I could see winning with because he takes care of the ball. He can run it. He's versatile. He's adaptable. Um, it, I, I think whatever kind of offensive coordinator you are, man, I just think he works. I think he works in your system, scheme-friendly. All right, let me, let me preface this by saying three games, right? I've watched three games on this kid, and maybe, I, and, and maybe there's – I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's other games where he's got – there's bad tape on everybody, right? I'm sure there's bad tape out there. I, I didn't see a lot of negatives with this kid when I watched him. I, again, I watched UC Davis, Nichols, and Delaware. I know the level of competition, it is what it is. But the stuff that we that you talked about, you know, he can play in any system. He can play under, he's in the gun. Um, he's got excellent uh, ball handling. He's outstanding with all that stuff. Um, but I, I want to, before I get to the rest of these notes, I want to go through the checklist of the five things. Because we always say you gotta you got to have your values, what you believe in, and stick to them. So I started... When, when I started evaluating and kind of doing homework on guys that hit and guys that missed at the quarterback position, I kind of boiled down to my big three. And I've since added two to this, and some of it's from our discussions with these different coaches, with the Urban Myers, Dabo Sweeney's, all these different guys, um, as well as talking to guys at the NFL level. But I started with accuracy, decision-making, and poise. The big three, right? Accuracy, decision-making, poise. Since then, I've added playmaking ability and toughness. So that gives you five pillars, right? This kid's accuracy at the games that I watched was, was excellent, was very good. His decision-making is impeccable. I mean, he, he, he does not put the ball in harm's way. He had one, probably one turnover-worthy throw. He didn't throw a pick this year. Not one, not a single pick. So decision-making, outstanding. Poise. I mean, he's very comfortable, very calm with, with his poise. His playmaking ability, outstanding. I mean, he can create with his legs. He can extend plays to throw. He can take off and run. You can use him on design, QB power, all these different quarterback run games. You saw Carson Wentz do there. His kid does the same thing. And the last thing is the toughness. I've seen this kid drop his shoulder at the four-yard line and run over a safety uh, to, to get in the end zone. I mean, he's he is tough. He'll hang in the pocket. So he literally hits everything on my checklist. So then I go through and look at some of my other notes here. The, the big thing, I starred this three times, confident, trust his eyes. There is no hesitation. When he sees it, if it's there, boom, take it. If it's not there, I'm off of it. I'm working down my check downs, get the ball out. We just keep moving the ball down the field. He's efficient. I think you use the combination kind of efficient, explosive. Like this kid, can. he has got a loose arm. He, he has the arm strength to beat coverage, and he, has, he does a nice job of, of those opportunities to take it. He takes it. 
but he, he isn't too – it's not too much. He's not over-aggressive with it. Um, they ran over the safety. That was in the uh, the UC Davis game. Oh, he he, um, he's, he, he does oh, that a man. few times. He does that. that, he does that it I think that's his thing. Well? Yeah, that's, I yeah. think that's his thing. He kind of he kind of sneaks like he's going out of bounds. Then he turns up, and he I mean he just drums him. Uh, I saw him. I, I saw him work full field more than the other two guys did too. I saw him work all the way across the field, get deeper into progressions. Now he's playing with a really good team against teams that aren't as good as his. Um, so I mean, look, Ohio State and, and Clemson are going to be better than just about everybody they line up against too. Mm-hmm. But it, there's a, there was a distinctive difference there. So I, I, I take that into account. Um, I thought he had really good vision and feel down in the red zone. I thought he threw with good touch. Um, if it's not there, he'll take it and run. I mean, I just we use the phrase right: don't scout the helmet. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have reputation and you don't scout the helmet and just watch three games, I just watched three games on these three players. Based off the three games that I watched, this kid was the most impressive of the three quarterbacks. And I, again, people will lose their mind over that. Trevor Lawrence is outstanding, and Trevor Lawrence, you know, is going to be the in the pole position coming into the fall. But just off the small sample size, I thought this kid played better than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in the three games I watched. So here's a couple things to that statement, and um, like. We've been at this enough to understand like how the evaluation process goes. It's kind of like a starting point, right? And so, yep. um, when you see someone like this, and just so everyone understands, like we will dub him as a small school player. But what happens is when you see someone that plays like this at a small school, you put a little star in your nose because this means that I not only need to go um, watch him again, but I need to go see him in person. I need yeah. to really get a feel for who he is as a player and who he's playing against, so I can just kind of have better context. But here's what I'll say about North Dakota State. The last two quarterbacks that have played there have played or are playing in the National Football League, Carson Wentz and Easton Stick. Like, we've seen those guys play and play in the league. The offense that they run translates very well to the National Football League. What they're asking their quarterbacks to do, it is an easy evaluation because when I turn off their film and I turn on Sunday tape, it's the same. And even though... The league is morphing into more college football-like stuff at quarterback. It's still easy to see him play in a system that we will dub more pro style and be like, oh, okay, I can see that working. The only reason why I really didn't put Trey Lance above those guys is because I'm a little more conservative when I see someone at that level that I just kind of pause before going big, even though I've had mentors tell me, oh, no. Go big all times. Like, regardless of the level, go big. The only reason that I've paused on Trey Lance is because it's a little different apples or oranges. So when I looked at the grades, I'm still using an old grading scale. I had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields at 7-3. I have Trey Lance at like 7-1. And so what, what we're talking about is the difference between maybe a top 10 pick and a top 15, a top 20 pick. The separation isn't that great, but I just had him a notch below until I see him this year or whatever. But we're speaking the same language. He is in the conversation with those other two guys. How about that? I, I'm thinking back. I, I, this will be a fun exercise. Maybe somebody can do this that's listening. Go back and look one of these up. But I remember my first mock draft, Carson Wentz's year, I think I had him going like three. or he was, I had him going in the top ten. And at the time, it was like 
a little bit similar to this discussion of fringe fringe first rounder. Like this guy potentially could go in the first round. I remember that came out the week of the senior bowl. And I was like, nah, this dude, I had him as the top quarterback and and he was like way up there. People lose their minds because it's easy for us to say, don't scout the helmet. Um, but as a general public, you're like, I've been watching Trevor Lawrence play on the big stage week after week. I don't even know that's, this kid. But that's not even it. Yeah. I've heard everybody tell me that he's going to be number one for the last two yeah. years. So when you yeah. come with something different, what are you telling me? Everybody else is telling me that he is the lock. He's the best thing that we've seen since Andrew Luck. So why all of a sudden now is it different? Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that's what again, it is. And again, we, we've got... You got plenty of time. There's no nothing's written in ink right now, and we'll see how this kid does. All I know is, if you're asking me, do I like my quarterback to never lose football games and never turn the ball over? Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> I, I, you know, call me crazy. I like that. Uh, I mean, what? A, I, I don't know if there's ever been a more impressive stat line than what this kid did. Go do yourself a favor. Go look up his numbers. 28 touchdowns, no picks. I think he ran for over a thousand yards. A ton of touchdowns on the grounds. Didn't. Oh, by the way, didn't lose a football game. Won a national championship. His first I year as a starter. I mean, that's what you like. And I think, I think we can say that for, for most of these kids, like um, they take care of it. They win at a high level. They understand it. I think the overall theme of the discussion, if I'm a team in need of a quarterback and I can't think of many teams, I feel good about this next class coming down to yeah. fight. I, yeah, I feel no, real these, good these about These kids are all good. I, I, feel, yeah. I feel real good about the three that could be in this next draft class. I'm okay with it. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be fun, man. It's... Again, first look series, just getting a first look at these guys. We'll do a deeper dive on uh, uh, as we go through the fall, and, and this will adjust and change. But it's exciting. I just I think it's definitely, it, it, at, at least you have to say this is a three. They're three dudes, man. Like, this is not, this is not just Trevor Lawrence all by himself. Like, there's, this is an incredible class so far, the, the first look at these three guys. And I think it's important that people understand, when we talk about his three dudes, it is a legit competition with three dudes it's not like oh here are the first three that are going to go and we're just going to anoint uh trevor lawrence or whoever as number one like no we really need to see how this plays out because this discussion next year draft time could be where hey trey lawrence is legitimately the number one guy at the position and we need to give him his just due it'll be a fascinating fascinating discussion fascinating fascinating thing to track as we go through this season how funny is it, just to wrap that up, though, how funny is it that literally some of the exact same words we use and that takes layups? Like, it's just funny. We all have our – we kind of just this scouting language that we speak. Yeah, no, nah, it's – man, it's – it's God, it's so, it's so funny. It is funny, though, when you have these moments um, where you do use like language and you do see those same things or whatever. Either we've been around each other too much and we're beginning to finish each other's sentences <laughs> or we've been in the game enough to kind of understand the, the traits that we, we both like. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right. Well, we do want to re- remind everybody we've got the TV show coming up. That is 6 Eastern Thursday. Um, you can check that one out. And we are going to have another baseball guest. We're going to have Dave Roberts, the, uh, the manager of the Dodgers, is going to join us. And why are we having another baseball guy on after John Smoltz last week? Because this entire episode is going to be about comebacks, and Dave Roberts knows about comebacks on a team, a uh, key play that uh, stolen base there that helped the Red Sox survive and advance and help them stay alive, I should say, against the Yankees coming back from three down uh, to win a seven-game series. So he's been a part of that. So we're going to kind of tie that into our comeback theme. And then also 
uh, as a part of a team that was unbelievable in the regular season last year, uh, but couldn't, you know, couldn't get it done in the postseason. It reminds us a little bit of what we saw last year with the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, what lessons can the Ravens learn from, from Dave Roberts' experience? So looking forward to having him on the show, and uh, it should be a good one. Uh, what else you got, Buck? Anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, it should be a good one. I'm really looking forward to talking uh, to Dave Roberts and just kind of learning more about the crossover. Um, and then, look, man, really excited about the show. I think we're doing some really good things on the Move the Sticks uh, TV show, especially when we're going to do the themes comebacks people that are overcoming adversity bounce back players bounce back teams and position groups should be fun yeah there you go well that's going to do it for us i want to thank everybody uh behind the scenes helping us uh, keep this thing rolling here nabil does a great job of editing this down with all of us in different locations so special shout out to nabil for all of his hard work uh during this period of time uh that's going to do it for us thank you guys so much for listening we'll catch you next time right here on move the sticks You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.